Welcome to the podcast of First Universalist Church of Minneapolis. We are a welcoming and progressive Unitarian Universalist congregation, deeply committed to love and justice. To learn more, visit us online at firstuniversalistchurch.org. Our call to worship this morning comes from the Reverend Victoria Safford, my good colleague. She writes, you know, we do it every day. Every morning we go out blinking into the glare of our freedom, into the wilderness of our work and the world, making maps as we go, looking for signs that we're on the right path. And on some good days, we walk right out of our oppressions, those things that press us down from the outside or as often from the inside. We shackle, we shake off the shackles of fear, of prejudice, of timidity, close-mindedness, selfishness, self-righteousness, and claim our freedom outright, terrifying as it is, our freedom to be human and humane. Every morning, every day, we leave our houses not knowing if it will be for the last time. And we decide what we'll take with us, what we'll carry, how much integrity, how much truth-telling, how much compassion, in case somebody along the way needs some. How much arrogance, how much anger, how much humor, how much willingness to change or be changed, to grow or be grown. How much faith and hope, how much love and gratitude. You pack these with your lunch and medications, your date books and your papers. Every day, we gather what we think we'll need, pick up what we love and all that we so far believe put on our history, shoulder our experience and memory, take inventory of our blessings, and we start walking toward morning. Come, let us worship together. Good morning. I'm Pastor Danny Givens Jr. I am the senior pastor of Above Every Name Ministries. I am a friend of this house of love. I'm a colleague and friend of this reverend here and several of you all. I'm also the statewide organizer with MUSHA, Minnesota Unitarian Universalist Social Justice Alliance. And so I haven't been here yet for MUSHA, but I'll make my round. I've been doing kind of rural trips right now, but I'll, I'll be here soon for some MUSHA work. And then also I want to mention that my church, a lot of people ask where my church is. My church is housed out of Unity Church Unitarian in St. Paul. And if you would want to know, just if you happen to desire to know, I signed the book in February. <laughs> for those of y'all who understand my journey, you know what that means. You don't have to be excited for me, I am, right? <laughs> it's a big thing. Um, go ahead, Franco, please. And how much time do I have? Okay, you, got, you can't tell me, ah, nah, I'm a black preacher, you can't say, ah. <laughs> Hey, somebody tell him in the back, you can't give a black preacher, ah, I'll be here all day with y'all. I'm going to give us 22 and see what happens, amen. Um, I'm in the, I just finished the move. My family uh, has been blessed with a home in East Lake of the Isles. And so from Friday, which was an extremely blessed hot day, to Saturday, an extremely blessed hot day, I put in 19 hours moving uh, my POC family into a predominantly white community. So you could imagine what that was like for them to see a black man with his shirt off and a bandana on and some Chuck Taylors moving 
It's the belongings in there, and it's just kids, you know, all that good stuff, but it's beautiful. I think it's amazing. So forgive me for being so casual. This is my suit jacket, if you must know. But I came, and I'm here. I'm blessed to be here. This is my home away from home here. Today's message, I want to start out with a couple moments of silence before we get into everything. And if you're okay, for those who can, I would ask that you would rise with me in body or spirit. And if you, and if you choose to remain in your seats, that's okay. But as you do, I'll ask that you reach out and grab the hand of somebody next to you. So for those of us who feel led, can we rise in body or spirit? Can you grab the hand of somebody next to you? If you got to move outside of your comfort zone, that's okay. Nobody's going to steal your seat, right? <laughs> We've got, you know, we've got antibacterial in the back, so we're okay, right? We're all right. Thurman Blevins. Say his name. Thurman Blevins. Thurman Blevins. Thurman Blevins. Separated families. Hateful deportations. Loving resistance. Loving resistance. Feel the pulse in the hand next to you. Feel the pulse in the hand next to you. You'll never know the real needs of the world until we feel the pulse of the hands next to us. You may be seated. Thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Franklin. In the Talmud, there's a writing from the prophet Micah on the chapter 6, verse 8 of the Christian Bible, but in the prophetic writings. I just want to present this text to us just from a learned standpoint. Is that okay? I'm not trying to come and give y'all B-I-B-L-E. Right? I'm not, I'm not, did y'all get, <laughs> but from a learned standpoint, as a, as a sacred writing that is near and dear to my heart, because that's a part of our living tradition, that we believe that there are particular, that, that there's sacred writing and text that people feel inspired by all across. And this particular text in the B-I-B-L-E, <laughs> I can't say the whole word because some people might shut their ears, so I'll spell it out. You know, when you have kids and you don't want to give them their sweet stuff, and you say, can you put up the C-A-N-D-Y, right? In the B-I-B-L-E, it says, the Talmud writes, do not be overwhelmed by the enormity of this world's grief. Do justly now. 
Love mercy now. Walk humbly now. You are not obligated to complete the work, but neither are you free to abandon it. I'm going to say it again. It says, do not be daunted or do not be overwhelmed by the enormity of the world's grief. Anybody daunted this, this morning? Anybody overwhelmed this morning? It says what you can do to begin to be present, to, to find space, to find healing, to find strength, to continue on, to really jump into the heart of resistance that you have to do justly now. Love mercy now. Don't just have a date or a fling with mercy. Come on, somebody. But have a loving relationship with mercy, not for everybody outside of you, but for yourself right now so that you can be available for everybody who is outside of self. Says love that kind of mercy now. And then it says walk humbly now. You are not obligated to complete the work, but neither are you free to abandon it. This moment and season that we're in is one that has produced so much grief, so much sorrow, so much residual grief, so much re-traumatization. So it's, I mean, all of this stuff is present in so many ways. You know what has happened right now because of that clown that lives in that house in Washington? What has happened is, is an intersection has been created unbeknownst to ourselves who are progressive liberals, who are those who feel called to justice, who feel called to love, who feel called to community, this clown has forced us out of our comfort zones. Forgive me. I shouldn't be name-calling from a pulpit. My mother raised me better than that. This human being who acts like a clown. Come on, somebody. <laughs> right? It's forced us to begin to have conversations that we've been trying to have in our head, but it was really a heart conversation. And we, as these beautiful, free-thinking liberals, as Unitarian Universalists, we spend so much time, oftentimes, in our head having these conversations, the stats, the figures, the predictions, the past, of all these different things that very few of us spend a lot of time or enough time on the road to the pilgrimage of your heart. And so what I've been seeing in my own journeys and travels, I've traveled around now, I've been telling y'all around rural Minnesota, I was in Wilmer, they struggle with Circle Round for Freedom, so don't feel bad, right? <laughs> it's, I'm like, this is their song, it's in their book. <laughs> But I was down there in the same thing, you know, having all of these stats, having all of these figures can lay out everything, the trajectories of where the economy is going, can tell me, you know, the ecosystems of, of the, you know, the lands across or whatever. But how many of us really know the landscape 
of our heart. This journey, this 18-inch pilgrimage, has been one that many of us have been on now for 40 years like the old Israelites. For some of us, it's been three years. For some of us, it's been our whole life. But this 18-inch pilgrimage from our head to our heart is the real pilgrimage that we have to make before we could truly show up in the world as justice-seeking people. I'm not condemning you. I'm not telling you you're wrong. I'm saying there's a pilgrimage to the front line of your heart to begin to deal with the issues and the palpitations therein so that when you show up to get in community with impacted people, with under-resourced people, with targeted people, you have enough peace inside of yourself to know how to stand still and see the salvation. I know some of y'all are wondering, like, why is he yelling? Trust me, before it's over, you'll figure it out. This pilgrimage starts with, okay, who could tell me the statistics on uh, the number of children that are being deported right now? Somebody tell me. <laughs> who could tell me the statistics on the POC statistics of people incarcerated? Anybody know that? Yeah, 25%. So, so we know some statistics. Who could tell me statistics of, of, of impacted communities of people of color who are homeless and living in poverty? Anybody know those statistics? 74. Who can tell me the statistics on POC youth in secondary and post-secondary education system who are, you know, experiencing financial debt and can't move on? Anybody know that number? But we know these statistics, right? Who can tell me the number of hearts that have been broken by injustice since this Western civilization has been filled? I want to get us here, y'all. I want to get us to a place of not just showing up to the front line, shouting, having our signs, taking our selfies, doing up. I understand what that is. We want to mark these moments in history, but trust you me, you'll remember it. And other people will remember because those who know, know, right? But we're not going out there for photo ops. We're not going out there to be seen by the public eye in the sense of saying, oh, look at how cute my sign is or how aggressive, you know, my thing is. It's not what that's, what it's really about is about getting out there. The Bible that I read says that if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, it says, then I will hear. What it basically is saying is this, is that as we come together, that holiness, that divine spark, the spirit of love, the sacred, the mother earth shows up in ways that causes us to now ground in justice in ways that are really real and transparent instead of being out there with this superficial way of showing up. I'm not upset with y'all's church. I love this church, so please don't take this as a hard message. I said I'm going to tell some stories. 2015, November, this church held a vigil. It was my introduction and beginning and first step on the pilgrimage from my head to my heart and justice work. I was asked to come here and pray in this very spot. Some of y'all know the story. Lena Gardner was the keynote. Her brother did his poetic word. 
It was a beautiful choir. It was candlelit vigil. It was amazing in here. And it was my introduction and baptism into the movement. And I was on the front line. My heart was too broken, or at least I thought it was too broken for me to even try to approach this work through my heart. And so I went through my head to protect my heart. Do y'all understand what I'm saying? I went through my head to protect. So in my head, I got all of these defense. I got panic rooms, all type of stuff. You try to get too close to the secret spot, right? I'm talking about stuff will go up. You might get electrocuted, punched. Ain't no telling, right? But I had to realize that, wait a minute, and I didn't get a chance to understand what the pilgrimage was about for me as an individual because I was so overwhelmed by the enormity of the world's grief in my heart that in my head I was trying to, I was trying to be healed. In my head I was trying to find resilience. In my head I was searching for truth. In my head I was trying to find understanding. In my head I was trying to keep score. And it just, the more, the more, the more. And so it was finally, I got to a place, unfortunately, last year, after the Yanis trial for Philando Castile, who was my little brother's best friend. I knew Philando. I was with Philando three days before he got killed. We was just talking about my BLM work and all that stuff. I mean, I mean Philando grew up underneath me. He was my little homie. So it was just like, after all of that, and then going through an 80-hour trial period, I was down there every day, start to finish, in my head, and my heart started to begin to shift while I was down there, because while I was going through the trial, the next day, the trial ended on June, 16, on June 15th, the next day, I got married. So I'm going from City Hall to Courthouse downtown, running through the little skyway, going down to Jaime's uh, haberdashery, getting suited up, running back over, come back, you know, all this stuff, and then having to dodge cameras. I'm worried. Homeland Security is videotaping me. I'm being, all this stuff is happening. People are breaking into my house, my car, a white man, I tried to break in my car while I was in it. It was crazy. All this stuff, and I had to get to a place of where I had to find my heart because the truth of the matter is, is for me, I couldn't really be hurt there if I lived authentically there. So I'm sitting in the courtroom watching the trial. You know, one side is the family, Yanis's family, some reporters. Other side is Steele family, and there's a whole bunch of cops that are, you know, off, you know, plain clothes, you know, come to support suits and this stuff like that. And my heart came into my chest, y'all. It came into my chest. I saw an Indian Episcopalian priest who represented their family. And I couldn't help but think about his pilgrimage, about what it meant for him to sit in that courtroom for his congregant, his parishioner, his church member who has participated in this heinous act and loss of life. And I couldn't help but see, and was on the front pew just like this. I know some of y'all may not be able to see. Scoot a little closer. So Mama Valerie Castile was sitting right here. Philando, I mean, uh, Yanez's dad was sitting right there. I'm talking about, and it was a little bit closer, so they could have reached out and grabbed each other's hand. And you could feel in between the pew, you could feel the brokenness. Because everybody was trying to figure it out in their head how to be present in this, during this act of inhumanity. Grief was all over the room. My heart jumped into my chest, Reverend Justin. And we went out for a break and a recess. And I saw the priest and I went over to the priest and I said, how you doing, man? I'm Danny Givens. 
I said, I'm a, I'm a pastor. I'm a pastor with the family. So I would like to talk with you. And we just started talking. I said, man, could you tell the Yanis family that I'm praying for them? Could you imagine your immigrant family? You migrate here. You raise your son. You do the best of your ability to give them a life you never had. And then they participate in a system of colonialism and white-mindedness as brown people have lost this kind of ideology of self to the point to where you could actually impact a life by taking it. My heart opened up, and I said, I have to take a time out. I had to take a time The sister from Australia was killed. I have to take a time out. There's another brother in Oshkosh, Wisconsin that you never heard about. Isaiah Tucker. His mother and father just came and joined my church, fleeing Oshkosh, Wisconsin. Because the same day that I, our beloved here from Australia, I forget her name. There's too many names to remember. Justine, thank you. Bless, her, bless her heart. Justine lost her life the same day. But because she was a white woman and all that, I mean, and, and deserving of such, she deserves to be acknowledged. She deserves to have her story told. She's, she's deserving like every other victim, right? In my heart, I have to be able to validate that and be okay with that. But Isaiah Tucker didn't get nothing. They was responding to a domestic call, just like Jamar Clark. They thought it was a domestic, but it was responding to a domestic call. And when the police came, he put his car in drive out of his own driveway. They were standing there talking to him. High school athlete, all-star, all-state, all that. They knew him. Doesn't have nothing on him. No gun, no nothing. Puts the car in drive and drives away. The officer tells him, Isaiah, if you don't get out of this car, I'm going to shoot you. And as he's driving away, they fire 11 bullets into the car. Three hit him, he hops out of the car, runs to a neighbor, a friend's house, and hides beside the tool shed, and is there yelling, dying. I had to take a time out. The enormity of this. I had to take a time out and come be in community, come be in space, come be present, come and be able to say how this is really impacting me. And I can't just say going out to the front lines isn't always the most healthiest thing for me. I'm not saying don't go, but what I'm saying is at times it's okay to take a time out and making this pilgrimage from your head to your heart. You think my head hasn't been screaming at me about going out there for Thurman Blevins? Screaming. But I'm so in my heart right now. When you're in your heart, your heart is where the faith and hope and the love, where it really rises. When you're in your heart, you can trust and know that the universe has somebody else that can stand right there. It's like the bubbling cauldron. You know, those at the top that are percolating, every now and then they got to drop back down to the bottom and let some other people bubble up. It's okay to take the time out to sink back and do that heart work. If we don't do the work along the way, the compassion fatigue that you feel right now will turn into anger. And that anger is going to turn into bitterness. And that bitterness is going to turn into resentment. And that resentment, all that whole process is going to begin to impact your holistic being. This church has been a flagship for the movement. 
It's been a flagship for the movement. I don't want to see this church burn out holding the flag. Do y'all understand what I'm saying? I don't want to see y'all burn out holding the flag. How can we take what we've learned here and begin to teach it to other people? Other, how can we begin to do that work of really, we show up, we get out there, we do the work, but how can we begin to take this journey since 2015, at least that I know of, jumping in, there's a lot packed in between November 2015 and where we are now. And we've made that pilgrimage with hearts broken, hearts full, hearts bursting, hearts overflowing, hearts empty, hearts palpitating, all of this. But we have to come to this place of doing the kind of self-care that's so revolutionary that I can look at my brother. I can look at my sister. I can look at my sibling. I can look at my family. When I say sibling, I'm talking to all of them. And be able to discern the heart's energy, the heart's space. Because we can put on that face and make it look like it's okay. And some of us become so broken that we can't make it look like it's okay. But how do we become the resiliency that we need for one another? How do we delve into that place where we're so true, we're so authentic with ourselves that we don't have to worry about the covering that's needed? Start loving mercy. Start doing justly. Start walking humbly. Remember the latter part of that says that you are not obligated to complete the work. Please quit allowing yourself to be overwhelmed by the burden of finishing or completing something. That's not how this works. I would love to tell you that there's going to be an end to injustice someday. But then what will we have to do? <laughs> We're going to start, you know, practicing on each other. I mean, but seriously, it's this kind of thing of how do we continue to take, how do we take that heart math, that heart space, that work. There's a book that I've been reading over the past five years that's been kind of talking about this, and it's called um, The Hidden Power of the Heart by Sarah Patterson. And that's Patterson with two Ds, not Patterson with Ts, D as in Danny. The Hidden Power of the Heart. And it's been talking about. Now, I want to, mind, I want to tell you, it's, 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 it's a self-help book. It's open. It's not anything religious or sectarian, anything like that. But the sister does make mention to the B-I-B-L-E in a couple places, <laughs> right? I don't, I don't want you to get there. Like, oh, throw the book. Burn it away. <laughs> it's like, but it's, it's a, I've been reading this book for quite some time, and I just picked it back up um, to begin to understand where we are. We only get one heart, y'all. And we have one heart together. I want to tell you now what there was a calling in. Now I want to talk about the calling now. Please subscribe to the, to the, to the narrative of remaining silent no more. I don't care how hoarse you get. I don't care how much the veins in your neck come out. I don't care how much your blood pressure comes up and goes up. Please choose to continue to lift your voice out there in the streets, in the community, on social media, in your workplace, in your families, at the dinner table. We got the fourth coming up. For those of us who celebrate that, make sure that, you know, over the barbecue sauce, you mix a little rhetoric of injustice in there, you know? <laughs> Just, 
Just get over the grill, let it just steam. Throw some sage on the grill, right? Just kind of don't let, don't let the cook know. Just throw some sage in the grill. Just, you know, you're going to purify this space. Bring a little cedar wood, right? A little, little mugwort. Like, come on in. Bring your crystals out, your stones. Bring, you know, your labradite. And, you know, your kind of, I'm talking about, like, really get it because we got some work to do. Everything isn't necessarily in words. When I say be silent no more and lift up your voice, I'm not talking about just solely yelling. I'm talking about the voice of your being. Go and be. You know that family member that's going to engage you, that vexes you, that makes you want to call Justin at 3 in the morning, like, I just want to murder somebody, right? <laughs> but just allow your, voice, your being not to be so vexed, but just to release it. Because you've been blessed by the Holy. You've been blessed on sacred land. You've been blessed by the beloved to be present in that particular space and place. I'm calling you out in a sense of not allowing yourself to be overwhelmed by always having to lend your physical voice. Lend your being. And subscribe to some healing energies that you can send people's way. If you're a praying person, please pray away. Like, come on. But start sending what's needed out into the environment. In that book, The Hidden Power of the Heart, it says this, and I'm closing. It says that the heart has the ability to send electromagnetic waves up to 50 yards. <laughs> Woo, you must have met somebody at the 50-yard line. <laughs> so, but it has, this, this thing, if you think about that, when we're out in community, when we're out in the world, when we're out in the space and we're feeling overwhelmed by the enormity of the world's grief, that I can create a sphere, that I can come and send electromagnetic waves of love and hope around me. Just how the angry person can come in the room and put anger everywhere, the hateful person can come in the room and put hate everywhere, right? The silly person can come in the room and put silly everywhere, Am I lying? Is, am I, it's true, right? That's what happens. I've been the hateful, angry, silly person, right? What happens when we come and we release love? Not that shallow, superficial, I turn the other cheek and you can, you know, whatever love. I'm talking about that love that stands. That love of a mother bear for her cubs. You know what I'm saying? That love that says, uh-uh, don't, don't mess with my... Uh, you know, that love. My grandmother's a praying woman. She's five feet tall. I'm closing after this. I call her the general. <laughs> she's five feet tall. I call her the general because she's a, she's a giant in the spirit. And my grandmother, I did 12 years in prison from 18 to 31. And my grandmother, I remember when I first got to prison, there was an officer there that was giving me a hard time. And my grandmother said, don't worry about it. You just continue to release love. She said, well, I'm going to go and pray. They don't have peace in their home. <laughs> I'm all I'm saying is I saw the brother's hair start falling out after a while. And then he started shifting. He left me alone, right? I just, I just kept loving, right? Love works. Love works if you work it. Thank you. God bless you. Let me, thank you. Thank you for listening to this podcast from First Universalist Church of Minneapolis. We are a welcoming community 
that find strength in the diversity of identities of all who find inspiration and comfort here. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting our ministry. Text FIRSTUNIV, that's F-I-R-S-T-U-N-I-V, to 73256 to make your gift. If you are able to join us in person for Sunday worship, we'd love to see you in church. To learn more, visit us online at firstuniversalistchurch.org.